Summit Church is not turning inward for self-protection and self-preservation. That's not what God's called us to do. This church is going to go after this community because people are hurting and they need Jesus. And that's what God has told us to do. And I know there are many mission statements that says we're gonna reach the world and you know Saturn and Jupiter and all of those. Where we have come as your, the leadership team, your elders that are here, your serving team is that God has given us Arapahoe County and Centennial to start with. But he said to Joshua, wherever you place your feet, God's right there with you. He will give you the strength. And we're praying and asking God for the wisdom to go after this community. Some will be here in an apartment for a couple of years and we help them form their faith. Some are going to stay in this community and be part of the church for a longer period. But we know this is what God has called us to do. So as a result, you're going to see us involved in things that involve the community. It's going to involve activities and events within our community. And we're gonna work with other churches. We're going to try to do things with other churches that we can do together that none of us can do by ourselves. One example of that is in two weeks, on, on the 29th, we're doing a, a, a fall festival with Highline Church just up the road. If you drive I-25, Highline is there. And our, our director of family ministries, Marie Connor, is just amazing. And it's this idea that just, honestly, just letting her go and develop relationships and what's come out of Faith in Blue because of her taking point on this, we've been invited into a discussion about the Faith Council that exists in the mayor's office for Centennial. Didn't know it existed, but because of her efforts, she's the one that's worked with Highline Church. We're going to be reaching out with men's events, with women's events, all kinds of things that enable us to expand the footprint. And remember in the prayer of Jabez, what God said, expand my tent stakes, spread this out. That's what we feel God is calling us to. Every one of us is a part of that. It's not a single person leading a project. We've got a couple of things that can help in this. You'll see the summit cards out there. Mine's been in my pocket a little bit up. And then we have the QR code in the back there that'll help. But these connect cards, um, they help us stay connected to you. Not because we wanna stalk you, it's because we wanna come into relationship to help you on the journey you're on. But let me tell you the most important part of this. And that's at the bottom, it says, how can we pray for you? If we do nothing else in this church, but engage in fervent prayer with the Almighty, that's a great foundation, isn't it? So if we can join you in prayer, would you tell us? And if it's a confidential issue, you don't have to put your name. God knows who you are. And if you do, you can check confidential. As your pastor, I wanna make you a promise. Anything that's put on that cross for prayer, anything that's put on here and put in one of the boxes for prayer, you will be prayed for. And if it's confidential, it'll be kept confidential there. You know, there's other things on Monday night is the tailgate with the guys. There's other events that's taking place for the ladies that have been set up. And you can get all of that on our information there. I just want to say thank you for being here. I want to welcome our online folks again and say, you know what? Your seat is here. We're ready for you. And if that's where God wants you, come on back. Come on home. I, uh, the first time I walked back to the church, by the way, before I was given the privilege to stand here in this time frame, there was a young lady, nine years old. And as I walked in off the parking lot, the only thing I saw was that amazing face of hers. And she was holding up a sign. 
And I just believe God came and wrote it for me and said, welcome home. Thank you for being here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you, Lord, and we praise you. We're so blessed, Father, that you've given us the privilege to come together as your family. We're so, uh, so blessed, Father, that you were here before the doors were unlocked. You were here before a light was turned on. You were here waiting on us, Father, kind of welcoming us home and saying, let me work with you this week because we got a lot of work to do in the family. So, Father, bless our time together in this worship experience. Bless what is being said, Father, but bless what we're hearing from you is what's going to really guide us. And, Father, we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's family said... That was so weak. We're going to keep doing this till we do it better. I don't have to be any place till three o'clock. Let's try it again. That's not funny. And all of God's family said, there's some hungry people out there that want to get to the buffet. I can tell you that. How cool is that? We're in a series right now, and it's called Open the Eyes of My Heart. And I'll encourage you, what we're trying to do here is we're asking God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would you come and enlighten the eyes of our hearts? We want to be able to see things through God's eyes. We want to hear with His ears and feel with Him, but we want to see things. This world that we're living in, we want to see it with God's eyes and what He's doing for us. The message today is, Holy Spirit, help me live as a covenant child of God. Holy Spirit... Help me live as a covenant child of God. Today, we're going to walk through some pretty good doctrine and theology, I think, that's been very helpful to me. And I I say this because, you know, if I'm talking to you and it's not working in my life, if it's not something that's resonated for me, then they're just words someplace. But when it's It's been a defining moment in my life. It's been things that I needed to learn to come closer to my relationship. And this idea of being a covenant child of the living God, here's our big idea. As followers in Christ, followers of Christ, we are in a covenant relationship with God Almighty. The moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that covenant relationship came from God. God brought that to us as a gift. And it's not what we, it's not that we do not know what to do. It's really about having the courage and obedience to do what God has told us. And we're going to walk through this because we're going to, we're going to come to a point. I, I believe for me, it was that it, it wasn't that I didn't know what to do. That was such a sorry excuse in my life. You know, I, I didn't know I could drive 95. I did, couldn't drive 95 officer in a 65 zone. I didn't know that. No, that doesn't work. So we're going to walk through this and see what God has done to bring us in his covenant. And we're asking the Holy Spirit, would you open the eyes of our hearts to understand the gift of being a covenant child of God? And it is a gift. It's something that God has bestowed upon us and that he and he alone did that for us, this gift of being a covenant child of the living God. Let's look at God's word right now. And we're going to go to a key scripture here. And the key scripture is found in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. If you have your Bibles with you or if you're following on that, and here's what he says to us. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. Remember, Old Testament, God spoke to prophets. Prophets then spoke that word to the people. And if you wanted to talk to God, you had to talk to the prophet, right? No longer 
right? Just think of it this way. You're all prophets now. You get to speak directly with God. But here's what he says. God spoke through Jeremiah and he said this, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, one key point on that is that when we read and people say, well, he said he was going to do that with Israel. He said he was going to do that with the house of Judah. Get this, when Jesus Christ came and the anointing that was on Paul, wasn't it? To understand that everything God had said for his people, we are his people. So we read that to say the house of Israel and with the house of Judah and now with every follower of Jesus Christ. That's what he's telling us here. And then he says this, and he goes on to tell us this, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My sovereign, my covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them. Now, when we read this, there's some, some things that come out. Okay. The first two things that kind of jump out, I will make a new covenant Though I was, and just leave that up there. I will make a new covenant. Now, here's something that we need to get. Ready? God is making a new covenant, not because God changed. People said, well, he did this, and then he changed his mind. He did this. No, he didn't. God is the same today as he was yesterday, will be tomorrow. He's a sovereign God that is, he's fully committed to us, but he's consistent, and he's a confirming God and he's the same God. So why is he making a new covenant? Well, you know, I said it's so good to have my wife back here. It really is. Uh, well, it is for me. I don't know. Some of you need to get to know her. Okay. But here's the deal. Cease is shaking her head. Thanks, Cease. I got you. Okay. Talk to Cease afterwards. Okay. So here's the deal. Billy and I have been married. We're in our 46th year. Come on down, door number one. If you knew all of the story that we weren't even given a chance to make it through the first year, that'll be in a message sometime, but uh, we just keep fooling them. But this idea that year after year, I'm learning more and more about my wife. There are things that people say about God. They say, well, that's inconsistent. That's contradictory. That's not what he said before. That's not what he was doing before, right? Well, one of the things that I've realized in the marriage is that we're growing together. And if there's things that I didn't understand about her before, and I would say, well, Billy, that's not what you said before, which by the way, is not the way to maintain a marriage. Okay. So I've kind of let that one slip out of my vocabulary. A lot of husbands here going, amen. Okay. But it was the idea that we do things and we understand each other better the longer we're together. We understand words. We understand things like this that God is doing. We lived in Italy for about five years, but for a period of that, I served on the staff for the Italian army, not the U.S. And one of the things that the officers did, they wanted me to speak English so that they could expand their English. And I wanted to speak Italian because it sound, sounded so cool, right? But on one occasion, one of the Italian officers asked me a question, and I answered the question, and he says, I, Carlos, I don't understand. So what did I do? I repeated the answer, the exact words, only a little louder. Anybody got that one down with me, right? And he goes, Carlos, I, I still don't understand. So what did I do? Third time. I repeated it, what? A little louder. And finally, he goes, Carlos, my hearing is fine. He said, but could you tell me the same thing using different words? 
I said, well, of course. So I said what I was meaning over here, but with different vocabulary words. And he says, I got it. Well, two things happened. One, he understood this, that he was asking the question about, right? But here's the other thing. It also expanded over here to the answer I had given him before. And he goes, now I understand that answer, right? Welcome to my world with God. Because there's things, and we read this, and we go through some of this, and it's this new covenant God's telling us because we needed it explained a different way in a sense because we didn't live up to the first covenant. God, the covenant maker, didn't change. He just gave us better understanding of what he expected from us within the family. So he looks at this and he says, I will make a new covenant, though I was a husband to them. Now, this is really cool because people say, well, Chuck, you Christians use this term bride of Christ, right? I go, yeah, because God says what? I was a husband to them. Got it? Now, when God says I was, he's not saying that he's not anymore. He is emphasizing the fact that at the point that our predecessors in the family did not understand or keep the covenant, so he he stayed the same but gave it to us a different way. He gave us a chance of doing this, right? And he said, but though I was a husband to them, if God is a husband to us, what does that make us? There are no husbands without brides. Just one of those things, is there? So we are the bride of Christ by God's decision. We didn't ask him and say, you know, we need a really cool name for our group. And then we got a group of people together and said, let's think of some great things we could be called. And at the end of the day, one of them says, hey, I got it. Why don't we be called the bride of Christ? That would be great. It didn't happen that way. God said, this is what you are because this is who I am. Now, when we look at this, right, he goes on to say, but let's break it down and look at what this means. The first thing is, he says, but this is the covenant. And I love it when God kind of, Mike, stomps his foot and says, here's the answer. We got an Air Force guy here, and I know Nick's in here someplace as a Marine. Thank you, Nick, for your service. He's at Camp Pendleton right now and just in. Uh, pretty blessed. Bottom line is, thank you. But bottom line is, is that, you know, in the military, when they want you to have the answer, we've talked about it, they make it absolutely clear don't they? And I love it when God says this, that this is the covenant, right? That I will make with the house of Israel in those days. I will put their law, my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And you know, it's interesting because we use the word covenant here and God goes to explain this for us in such detail. And let me tell you why this is... This is so important for us because it shows the love of God for us to understand each other. You know, if I told my wife, hey, baby, you know, I'm going to get you a new car. That's a great statement, isn't it? Now, she has no idea what we're looking at, whether she'll like it. I haven't told her anything about it. And a lot of times I'm thinking I'm really a great husband and I brought things home that weren't exactly what she was wanting or expecting. I know you find that hard to believe. And every husband in here, maybe at one point or another, you go, she is going to love this. It hasn't always worked out that way. Okay. So what I've had to focus on is helping her love the giver of the gift and not the gift all the time. But if I look at my wife and I say, baby, here's what we're going to do. 
I'm going to buy you a new car. It's a 2022 Lexus 450 hybrid. It's going to have that kind of cherry red outside. It's got a leather interior, and I go through every accessory that it's going to have on it. That's pretty specific, isn't it? Do you think she can expect that based on that description? Do you think that gives her a clear understanding of my intentions and everything? I, I think it does. And when we look at this, these verses here that God has given us, God is not just saying, I'm giving you a new covenant, figure it out and let me see how well you do. But God's going to break this down for us and tell us what we need to know about this covenant, right? And he starts off with this thing, you know, that I will write my laws on the hearts and on the mind, right? He goes on in the scripture, by the way, to, to finish this out so we know it. And he goes, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, and I will remember no more. I want to look at the four elements of the covenant, because this is kind of like me saying 450 hybrid, 2022, this, this, and this. God did that for us. Because he says, here's the covenant, and then he comes through the elements. The very first thing, and I know that's better for you. I'm trying to look back there, and glasses aren't even open. But he says, I will write my laws in your minds, in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. Okay? And this is critical for us. The second thing he says is, I will be their God, and they, we, we've established that, haven't we, shall be my people. They shall know me and I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, and I will remember no more. Now, let's look as we break these things down, what this really means in all of these. The very first thing is, he says, you know, I will write my laws in their minds and on their hearts. There's something very significant about this, because God is taking what was external, right, and he's moving it internal for us. And it's it's like at the beginning of this, when God gave the, well, let's just say his laws and the laws were external. So let's do something hypothetically. Say, for example, let your imagination wander. Say, for example, God told us his laws and wrote them on like stone tablets. I mean, for example, say hypothetically. So here, yeah, I mean, I know it's hard to imagine, but think with me on this. You ready? So he writes these on a stone tablet, and he says, here are my laws, right? And those laws are what we're supposed to look at and say, how do I measure up? And every day you get up and you do, you know, you go through this and say, do not, do not, do not, right? And that's, and guys, let me just talk to you for a second. As your pastor and one of you, as a husband, a father, and a grandfather, and a guy that's on a journey you know what happens to most of us guys? When the laws we feel are external out here, all of us guys wake up every day trying to fail less than we failed the day before. Don't have to raise your hand. I'm just looking at your faces. I know who you are. But God knows everything in your heart too. But it's true, isn't it? We sit here and we wake up and we plan our day and we look at these and they're external to us. And we just try to do, if I can just do better than I did yesterday, it makes me think I'm improving. What does better mean? Better means, can I fail less than I failed yesterday? 
So God says, and he takes them from that external, right? And he writes them on our hearts over here. He makes them internal to us. So it's not this question of what we do. It's a question of who are we, what we are, whose we are in that process. And so we look at that. And when he says, I will be their God, right? And they will be my people. Well, then we got to look at what's the progression on this. So let me just kind of walk you through this thing of what God's done in this so that you know how much he loves you, but it helps you understand the expectations of what we do. In Proverbs 4.23, Old Testament, here's what God says. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, think about that. You guard your heart because he says, everything I'm telling you, everything you're about flows from your heart, right? So if your heart isn't right, then that means what you do from that isn't right, correct? But the action point on this is you, me. Our responsibility here is to look at those external laws, to look at what the expectations are, and then get ourselves right, get ourselves right by guarding our heart, right? But then we come here to Jeremiah and what takes place? God says, I'm changing that and I'm going to write him and I'm going to make him internal for you. But then he goes from there and he says, look, God hasn't written his laws in our mind and on our, has written his laws on our mind, in our mind and on our hearts. And it's not intended to be just the things we do. You understand what God did was transformational in nature. It was a change taking place that we were responsible to guard our hearts and do all the right things. And God says, but I'm going to put it inside of you. I'm going to write my laws there. You'll know what to do. You will have a clear understanding. It'll be in your spirit. And that is when we know Jesus Christ, it's in our spirit. We know the right thing. I said, you know, you're riding down the highway at 95. You know it's wrong. You know, this, this idea of the laws... I, there was a function on Friday night and I had to go afterwards out to Thornton. I passed three accidents, all three of them, looking back on it, things that I saw the next day, they were excessive speed. I know that shocks many of you that have driven on the highways here that people would actually speed, but you know, 95 and a 65 is normal for a lot of people. And I would tell you that in all of those cases, there wasn't one person that would say, oh, gee, I didn't know that it wasn't 95. I'm sorry. We all know the laws. We know what the truth is. And we know what God's expecting of us there. And we're here to grow together. But in that sense, right, he took it and he made it internal. So it's not the things that we do. It is literally he takes it and it's the idea of becoming, becoming. And God says he's going to change us. When God tells us in his word that when we know Jesus Christ, he will give us a new nature. And what that nature is, is what we do naturally, isn't it? Well, what we do naturally is, is when what's written on our hearts and minds, isn't it? And you combine that with obedience and you combine that with an understanding and the courage to do it. That's what God's telling us with this. And so he goes on. But here's the other thing that is kind of fun for me because I know things... That God, have to, that God has told me. I know they're written there and some in that courage and so forth. And you're just lacking the peace to move forward. And so God says, I'm going to just take it a little bit further for you. So you know what? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And what does he do? Then he gives us Philippians 4, 7. As Christians, a lot of us just repeat half of that scripture, by the way. 
How many times has somebody looked at you and said, may the peace of God transcend all understanding, and then we stop there? That's not the end of the sentence. You see what God is telling us here in those moments that you lack peace, in those moments that you feel like everything is stirring up inside of you and you don't know what to do, in those moments that you need that peace, right? Here's what God tells us in 4-7. He says, and the peace of God. Okay. Pause. Do you want your peace or his peace? Because he's not offering you your peace. He's not, under, he's not offering you your peace is just going to be amazing. He's saying my peace inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit, which transcends all understanding. Now, what does that mean for us? That means for sometimes it can just be confusing, doesn't it? It transcends. It goes beyond. What goes beyond? Our comprehension by, by this feeling of peace that we have in a situation where we shouldn't feel peace, and yet we do because of the Holy Spirit that is inside of us. And with the Holy Spirit comes God's peace. But get this, and he's not done because when he says he'll guard our hearts, right? I mean, he says he'll give us the peace. What does he say? He is going to guard our hearts and minds, what? In Christ Jesus. At that cross, in Christ Jesus, God says, I know what I told you. God says, I told you over here, guard your heart. You didn't do very well at that, did you? So God comes over and he says, I'm the same. My laws are the same. So I'm not going to tell you to guard your heart. I'm going to write them on your, in your mind and on your heart, right? And then he comes over here and says, and by the way, I'm going to give you a peace that surpasses anything you can comprehend because my peace is going to be upon you. And when that happens, you will know it because I'm going to guard your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. That's an interesting one to take, isn't it? And I'll tell you, there are scriptures that I, even in my own life, I look at things and people say, you know, how can you be so peaceful in this? What can, what can you do? Well, God says, you know, because God's laws are right there. He's written them on my heart and on my mind. I am no longer able to say, you know, I didn't know it was wrong to do and then fill in the blank. You don't have that ability. Now you can try to get away with it, you know, guys tell me, I didn't know it was wrong to do blank. And I said, really? You didn't know that was wrong. And they kind of look at you. And I said, you know, now I wouldn't say this to the ladies, but realize I grew up kind of in men's ministry in that. I look at some of these guys and going, you can't be that stupid. You got to train for something like that to say you did not know that was wrong, Right. What he was lacking was the courage and the obedience to do what he knew was right. That was the issue, not that he didn't know. So the next thing is, is he tells us what? He says he writes them there in the peace of God, and, and we've got all that. And he says, look, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is family stuff. Simply put, we are in the family together. When he says that, he's, he's really saying we're his peeps. We're his family. That's who we are. And so often people, Billy and I had the occasion to be at a function. There was a young lady there. It was all family kind of a thing with these folks. And there was a, a little girl there, about seven, I think, or eight. And because when she was born, she wasn't around her family. And just through a series of circumstances, none of which are important in this, but it's important to know she did not know she had a family. 
And here was this gathering with about 35 of her family there. And this little girl was absolutely shocked and amazed throughout the entire time. It was food and it was celebration. It was this and that. And Billy and I are watching this and she's going, I, I didn't know I had a family. She knew what the word was, by the way, the way she said it. She knew the word family. She just didn't know she had a family. Throughout the day, she would say, this is my family. I didn't know I had a family. And at that point, people were embracing her and were laughing. You know, you're watching some things going, we are family. You listen to people tell her that. And then she would still go, I didn't, I didn't know I had a family. You know, it's so important for us to know we have a family. You're not here because you just wandered in and you're by yourself. You may have thought you come that way. You may have thought your first time here and I don't know anybody here. But know this, in Jesus Christ, we are family and you are home. And this is where God wants us. Now, he doesn't want us to live here because he's got a lot of work for us to do out there. You know what I'm saying on that? And this DNA that changes in us, you know, that to know this and to know who it is and so forth. And it's kind of this idea that it's being family, that we're part of it. But it even gets any better, right? Because then he goes, and they shall all know me. They all know me. And that's what God wants with us. And we look at this thing and said, you know, we've got last week at the Faith in Blue, the setting was I, was, I was sitting here, I was the moderator, and we had four amazing gentlemen here. And no, it wasn't a Christian gathering. We didn't give up our identity. We did worship. We did prayer. You know, and we said this, we, we blessed the family that was leaving last week, right, and that. So we know who we are here, but it's important in this community. And here sat Sheriff Tyler Brown, who is the sheriff for Arapahoe County. Here sat a lawyer who was a Muslim, right, and Kuzair Mohammed Bai. He's sitting here, and he's one that does many of the he represents many of the people where they feel the police have gotten out of hand in some type of thing, and he represents them and so forth. So what a pair. So we had them sitting next to each other. That was cool. And then we had over here Mr. Omar Montgomery, who is, um, he works for the NAACP as a vice president, National Association for Colored People, but really in the minority work. But then at the same time, he's in the Cherry Creek schools as diversity, equity, and so forth. And then we had our own Sergeant Ed Brown, or Sergeant Ed Bryant right here. And thanks to him, he was one of the ones responsible for us to have the opportunity to do that. Brought it in, and again, I've mentioned Marie. This was where she had the point on this thing, and there are great things coming out of it. But I did not know these gentlemen except for Sergeant, Sergeant Bryant Ed. And I, I listened as I introduced them, and Mr. Mohammed Bai and I addressed him as that. I hadn't earned the right to use. I didn't have the relationship to call him anything else, right? There wasn't anything that I could say except to honor him and say that. But there was one situation that developed, and Sheriff Brown was answering it, and he turned. Remember, the guy's name is Kuzair, Q-Zair. And he turned to him, and he was speaking about this, and he turned to him, he says, and Q, and when he said that, I was sitting here and I looked afterwards, and I said, they've got a relationship. There's something different there. This isn't just those two aren't four, you know, part of the men that came together that didn't know each other. When he called him that and addressing him like that, it was different. Now, I still called him Mr. Muhammad Bai because that was the responsibility for honor. 
but not with Sheriff Brown and Q. And as they talked to each other and the stories that came out of how their relationship had come together. And I know somebody says, you know, well, you know, in that relationship there, you know, it was really adversarial. And you would think that until you heard Mr. Mohammed Bai share a story. And some of you may know the story that in Australia, a couple of years ago, somebody went into a mosque there, and I think it was 51 that were killed. And Mr. Mohammed Bai from the, the mosque here, and it's a large mosque, largest mosque community between Chicago and LA, okay? He called Sheriff Brown, didn't know him, but he had a number. He called him and he says, I'm afraid. I'm afraid for our people because you know copycat and things like that and so forth, right? And then Mr. Mohammed Bai went on to tell the story that the sheriff said, I'll, I'll take care of that. You never know when somebody says, I'll take care of that. Ladies, when your husband says he says he'll take care of it, you don't have to remind him every six months. He'll take care of it. It's just that simple, right? Some of you needed to hear that, all right? But, you know, when Sheriff Brown said, I'll take care of it, Mr. Mohammed Bai said, I didn't really know what that meant at the time. I just heard him say it and trusted it until Mr. Mohammed Bai got to the mosque early the next morning for prayer. And standing near the front door as the sheriff for Arapahoe County in uniform was Sheriff Tyler Brown standing vigil at that door to say, this is my community. This is my community. And after that, other deputies, sheriffs showed up, and then some civilians showed up and said, yeah, this is our community, right? Until Mr. Muhammad Bai said, they finally reached a point where they felt so safe, but they had to tell Sheriff Brown, could you, we're good now, you can, you can leave us, you're actually running people off, you know, that we need to have here. But it's that relationship there. And, you know, when you, you know that personal relationship and you say, well, okay, that's a great story, Chuck, but what does this mean in terms of my faith? And I said, well, think about this. When the disciples that walked with Jesus said to him, how should we pray? They were asking Jesus, how do we pray? We call it the Lord's prayer, don't we? It's not. It's our prayer. The Lord gave it to us. We got another prayer that's truly his, right? But this is what he's saying. This is how you should pray. Got it? Let's just start with the first couple of words. Our Father. Uh, Jesus told us that. Jesus said, pray our Father. What did he say? You have a Father. You have a family. That's what he was telling us. And so when we pray the Lord's Prayer and we say, our Father, what we should be acknowledging is, I have a Father in heaven and I am part of a family. How cool is that? Several years ago, I was riding down the road. It was in St. Louis. I saw a billboard, and I thought, man, this is great. Great big billboard. I said, who's your daddy? True, true story. And I'm thinking, I want to go to that church. You know, they're speaking our language. When they invite people in and say, who's your daddy? We're going to help you meet your daddy and go through all of that? No, it was a company that did DNA tests to see if the kid was yours before you paid child support true story. And I wasn't as excited when I got closer and saw what the company was. But then I had this thing. I think we should take Bibles into that place and say, when you get your DNA test, let me introduce you to who your real daddy is, right? You know, we got to have churches that are willing to do that and tell them, here's your daddy. Here's who your daddy is. Because we have a family and we have a father. 
So yeah, I still have thoughts about that billboard periodically, okay? And then the next thing that he tells us here is these four parts. And finally, in this restatement of God's eternal promises, he says, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. I, uh, Jim Ladd stepped out. He has to drive back to Washington, he and Sue. So he won't hear me quoting him so I can say it's really my own. But it was Jim and I have had a relationship for uh, 20 years plus, and he's poured into my life and we've walked a lot, but he, he said, Chuck, here's something as we talk about this iniquity. And he helped me understand something and just reminded me of this. He says, your iniquity and sin, two different things. And as Jim has studied this and helped me with it, the iniquity is the bent that we have in our spirit. Think of it as your nature. Got that? What naturally you do. It's the things in you. You say, I just can't help myself. This, I can't change. This is inside of me. That's an iniquity. The iniquity leads to sin, which is the act. You get this? So this is your nature over here, the iniquity, that leads to you living it out and sinning because of who you feel like you are here. Does that make sense? So when, when he tells us this, he says in that scripture there, he tells us, I will forgive your iniquity. And Jesus says, doesn't he tell us, I will give you a new nature. And when he says a new nature, what he's saying is, I'm going to take that iniquity that you have, that that bent towards sin that you have, right? I'm going to take that away, and I'm going to forgive the sin that you did as a result of that. Now, if that isn't a bargain, I don't know what is. Just in knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and confessing that he died for your sins. So he tells us that. And, and the other thing is, is that God is so consistent, we can trust him. And that he confirms over and over in this. And I don't know how God does this, that he actually forgets our sin. That's a God thing. But he does. He forgets it and it exists no more. That's very hard because all of us know, people that have hurt us, the pain is there. And we have to struggle sometime to forgive them, don't we? And just to... We'll teach some more on this, but forgiveness simply means this. I'm not going to use it against that person again. You know how somebody says, I forgive you, and the next time you do something, they bring it up again and hit you with it like a baseball bat? Well, they haven't forgiven you. They've just put it aside till they need it again. You know what I'm saying? True forgiveness means you take that, and it's hard to forget at times. It's hard because we don't have that capability, but we can make the decision to say, but I will never use it against you again. God goes even beyond that and says, and I'm even going to forget it, okay? It doesn't exist anymore in God. And so the, this idea that God is so consistent, and God is, he, he gives it to us, he loves us, he walks us through it, and then he gives it to us again to make sure. And so we look at this, and some people say, well, you know, Chuck, Jeremiah was written even before Christ was born. Well, that's a very good thing about it because when Christ came, he confirmed everything in all the prophecies. But going beyond that, he says, here's Jeremiah, you know, 400 years before Christ or something. And so we get that. And they said, but we kind of, in the New Testament, I said, well, let's look at the New Testament because God is consistent. Let's go to Hebrews and we go to chapter 8, verse 10 through 12, right? Because God has done what he's supposed to do. But listen to this. Does this sound familiar from Jeremiah? That God is reaffirming what he's told us to say, look, it was true then and it's true now. What happened then that I told you? 
This is what's true now. I'm the same God. And what does he say? This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time. That time was Jesus coming, right, for the covenant. He said, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on my hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that amazing with God that he would love us so much that he would say, look, I told you this, but let me just love you enough to say in love. I want to tell you again so that you know our relationship and what's taking place there. Now, God has done everything on his part. We look at this thing and say, what can go wrong? Well, it leaves one thing for us. We've already established the fact that we can't go out of here and then say, well, I just didn't know. Because when we seek God and we know it's on our hearts and we feel it in our hearts, what remains for us is one thing. It's called obedience. You see, the real problem right now in our nation or families or whatever, it's not knowing the truth. We know the truth. We do. God's Word is given to us in the truth, and that's another reason why it's so important to us here at Summit. This truth has to be in written, and it comes from Him, it comes from prayer, it comes from relationship. But it's the fact that it's just simply obedience. How are we going to respond today? His covenant's clear. His laws are in us. We know the truth. We know the issue has to be the issue of obedience. And now we have this one question. This is our call to action. You know, if we, if we live lives and we hear the things from God, but they don't change us, they don't move us to do something, I think we've missed it. Here's our call to action today. As your pastor, I want to ask you, how are you going to respond today? Is the day the day that you say yes to God, that you say yes and say, have your way? I want to live in obedience as a covenant child of the living God. I want to live like that. I'm not asking to be perfect, but it starts with knowing and saying, God, today is my day. I want to live as a covenant child of God. How are you going to respond? That's going to really be your choice. At Summit Church, we have some opportunities and we're going to have another unique one today that's wonderful and that's going to be a baptism. And here's what's going to happen. I wanna just position you for this. We have the cross that's there, there's pen and paper, and you can put something on the cross. My promise to you has always been, that'll be prayed over. I want you to know that. We have an amazing prayer team waiting. And that prayer team, the desire of their heart is to help you, help you respond whether it's a specific prayer need that you have or just asking them to pray with you. This prayer team is amazing. We also have communion on both sides. You can take that communion on your own. You can ask one of them if they would lead you in that and help you with that process. And when the worship team comes out, I'm going to be praying and I'm going to invite you to respond however God moves on your heart however God moves on your heart. I'm going to go actually change, and this tub is here for a reason, because we have a young lady that has made the decision out of obedience to be baptized today. Now, I also wanna tell you, if today is your day, and you said, in my heart, I know I wanna do that, but I did not come prepared, 
Oh, family, we're prepared. And we have everything you need to change into. We have towels and we have the opportunity because we believe that act of obedience on your part. We want to be ready when you're ready. And the worship team then, after we do the baptism, they're going to come back and lead us again. And we'll have that opportunity, though, to continue in worship and just say, what's God moving on your heart to do today? That's what's important to us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you and we love you. Your word is so clear. Your laws are written in our minds and on our hearts. You've given us everything that we need, Lord. No longer are we able to say, I didn't know that was wrong. Now, Father, as children of the living God, covenant children of the living God, it's a matter of obedience, having the courage to do what is right because of what you've already placed on our hearts. I pray for everyone here, Father, myself included, that we would know that we would know who's your daddy. You're our Father, and we know that, and we have a family. So, Father, will you bless this time now as we seek to respond to your word? And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.